Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Good morning. Welcome to New Life. We're glad you're here. We're especially glad you're here if you're new to us, if you've never been here before. New Life is a different kind of church. Started out that way 15 and a half years ago and stayed that way. Uh, Nancy and I, my wife Nancy and I, started the church uh, for this purpose. For people who had either given up on church or never gave church a chance in the first place, um, we wanted people who uh, maybe didn't yet know Jesus to get a chance to come to know him personally because we believe he's the God of the universe. And last night we had the opportunity to celebrate six baptisms at the worship gathering. And when we did that, um, every one of those six people, there was a little guy about eight and then all the way up to an older guy who was, I don't know, about 40-something, I'm guessing. uh, You know, they all said one thing, that Jesus Christ was their Savior And Lord, which means that they believe that he has saved them from sin and death and that he gets to own them for the rest of their lives. And they said that publicly. And that's not something that everybody wants to do. Um, But we believe that everybody needs to do that because once Jesus Christ becomes Lord of our life, uh, because there's only one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we receive the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when we receive the Holy Spirit, we're empowered to do things that we can't do. Um, that we would never be able to do in our natural abilities. Um, And and so we've been talking about marriage for the last three weeks, and today we're closing out this series called Love and Respect. And everything that I've said so far and everything I'm going to say today can only be done in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I just want to make sure that we're all aware of that. And I want to do one little insider thing. Insider means it's for the church people. If you're here as a guest today, just bear with me for a minute. Um, All of you who come regularly know that in January we had a a month-long prayer emphasis and we gathered at the church six days a week, Monday to Saturday, um, to uh, pray at 6.30 in the morning. And then we um, had a little booklet that we uh, had daily prayer guide. Well, in February, which is just about to end, we did a little different. We had Tuesday and Saturday prayer time here at the church, and we had a prayer guide on the New Life app, and, uh, and so some of you used that. So here's my question, because we're not going to do the prayer thing at the church in March, but I'm willing to do the prayer guide so you can have that to use every day like you have had since the beginning of January if anybody will use it. So if you're here um, and you're willing to use an app on, you know, on, I guess, can you get on the website too, Brad? Yeah, it'll be on the website or on the phone app, Um, and every day there will be some prayer prompts and some scripture. If you would use that if it were available, would you raise your hand? Okay, looks like I'm going to be busy this afternoon because March is coming. All right, that's good. I'm glad to hear that, that that many of you want to do that. So no more insider stuff today. Um, We're going to go, and I really, I've been stalling a little bit because of all the four messages in the series. I'm a little scared about this one. Um, um, to be honest with you. In fact, I'm going to do one more little distracting thing before I get to the message. Look, the Aztecs showed up this week. Look at the back back there. See that little artwork back there? Um, some of you have been asking me, what's that about? Well, we're building a balcony, and in order to, you know, as my daughter Abby said when we added a second story to our house when she was about 10 years old, she said, you got to do the destruction before you can do the construction. And so we have to do a little bit of destruction around here. We're taking some windows out and everything. And somebody said to me this morning, well, what's up there? 
Well, in case you don't know, there's actually 2,000 square feet of space up there that we have office space, and there's a room that we use um, for the growth track stuff, and if you've never done any of those things, you might not know that. And there's what we call the loft, which is where people can look through the glass and and, um, be here and worship with us if they have, like, small children that they want to have up there, or maybe they they don't like how loud it is in here, because some people don't like how loud it is in here, and it's really louder today. I noticed that little kickback from those sound-absorbing boards, you know, are gone, but we'll have that taken care of once the bell he's built. But anyway, uh, for those of you who were wondering, what's that all about? And I thought that was amazing, uh, consistent gluing, considering, you know, we thought they were always going to be up there, but it almost looks like a pattern. Uh, It doesn't mean anything other than it told us to glue by X's and circles, and we followed the rules, and the things hung up there until we took them off. Okay, so if you took these ones off, it would look just the same, but then it would sound really bad in here. So why am I scared? Well, not very scared, but a little bit scared. Because I'm going to do something very, very, very dangerous. I'm going to talk about wives and what wives should do in marriage. And why is that dangerous? Because I'm a husband. So I get to stand here as a husband and tell all you who are wives what you should do in your marriage. Now, now the reason that's dangerous is because I could, you know, I could do something a little self-serving here and I could just say what I think. But that's always the danger when anybody stands up here, when Pastor Brad stands up here or Pastor Mark or me or whoever stands up here. The danger is always that we will not stand up here and talk about the word of God, but they, we will stand up here and talk about our opinions. But, but the, the reality is we have a charge from God as preachers to look into this book, to study it diligently, to pray fervently, and then to develop a message in cooperation with the Holy Spirit that will actually be the, the Word of God uh, made into a way that we can all understand it and take it out and live it. In fact, Martin Luther, the great reformer Martin Luther said, preaching the Word of God is the Word of God. Now, that's a pretty high view of preaching, but I believe it's true because if I didn't believe it was true, I would never stand up here. If I were just t- standing up here telling you what I think, I would not, not get up here. Because frankly, what I think in, you know, a dollar will get you a cup of coffee, it doesn't really matter. But what the Word of God says really does matter. And we believe here at New Life, I've always believed that the goal of every church ought to be to speak the truth in love. And all of us, preachers, all of us have a bias. Our bias is either slanting towards truth or slanting towards love. And I slant very heavily towards truth. By nature, I'm, I'm more truthful than loving. Um, so my nature is to want to get up here and just unload on you the truth, but, but I've been working for 32 years on the love part, okay? But the thing is, we live in a culture that doesn't believe there's truth. We live in a culture that recently, in a Gallup survey, 65% of the people surveyed said the best place to look for truth is within yourself. Huh? So how can I stand up here and say I have the truth about anything? especially about what wives are supposed to do to their husbands in marriage? Well, the answer is, there is truth. Whether we believe it or not, it doesn't matter what we believe, it matters what's true. And there is truth, and we believe that this book is true, that God has revealed his truth to us, from, really from the beginning of time until now. Um, and, and there was a time, you know, it sort of ended 2,000 years ago when this written down truth, revealed uh, truth from the word of God came, and we believe it's true. And we believe that it's our job, our responsibility, to speak that truth in love. And that's why we pray a lot before we stand up here. And we have other people praying for us before we stand up here because we want to make sure that what we say is the truth of God and that we say it in the love of God. Now, as you've seen, 
Um, if you've been here during the first three weeks or if you've watched it on, the messages on, on video, on, on, online, what I've already said and what Pastor Mark has said doesn't go uh, with the flow of our culture when it comes to marriage. Everything we've said so far sort of goes against the grain of our culture, and that's going to be even truer today because as I talk about marriage and as I talk about wives, what I'm going to say is going to either, if wives, if you'll listen to what I say today, and you'll apply it in the power of the Holy Spirit, your marriage will either become marginally better to incredibly better. And why do I say marginally better to incredibly better? Because uh, you're only half of the equation. You see, your husband is also a component. And last week we talked about husbands, right? And how husbands are supposed to love our wives as Christ loved the church and died for her, that we're supposed to love our wives as we love ourselves. So we already talked about that. And if a wife loves his, uh, his wife as Christ loved the church, and if a wife submits to and respects her husband the way we're supposed to all submit to Jesus Christ, then your marriage is going to be incredibly better. I can guarantee it because God planned and designed marriage, and if we do what God says, our, our lives are going to be incredibly better. But we can't control what our spouse does. We can only control what we do. So today we're going to talk about um, wives. And last week, as I said, all of us want to live our lives in the energizing cycle. We all want to have a marriage where our wives show us love and where we show our wives, I'm sorry, where our wives show us respect and we show our wives love. And that's the energizing cycle because when I feel respected and Nancy feels loved, our marriage is, is very good. But often what happens is instead of living in the energizing cycle, marriages degenerate into the crazy cycle. And in the crazy cycle, what happens is the husband says, I'm not getting respect, so I won't give my wife love. And the wife says, I'm not getting love, so I won't give my husband respect. And you see why it's called the crazy cycle. In fact, I put this up on the, the screen last week. We're going to put it up again today. When it comes to love and respect, every couple either lives in the crazy cycle, the energizing cycle, or the rewarded cycle. And I've already described the crazy cycle and the energizing cycle. What's the rewarded cycle? The rewarded cycle is when a husband or a wife doesn't receive the, the respect or the love they want, and yet they decide to do what God calls us to do, and that is the husband says, even though I don't get any love, I'm gonna, I mean any respect, I'm gonna give my wife love, and the wife says, even though I don't get any love, I'm gonna give my husband respect, and it's called the rewarded cycle because God rewards that kind of behavior, it's obedience. God always rewards obedience, and so when we live in the rewarded cycle, we are being like God to our spouse, and, and the thing is, you realize that God lives in a rewarded cycle all the time. He loves us even when we don't love him. He loves us even when we don't acknowledge he exists. God loves humanity, period. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about this relationship of marriage, which is a relationship which causes human beings to experience God's plan and purpose for our lives. And not everybody's married, and we'll talk about that a little bit today. But everybody who is married, this is God's intention. And so when a husband shows his wife love, even if he doesn't get an ounce of respect, or a wife shows her husband respect, even when she doesn't receive an ounce of love, two things happen. Number one, God is pleased. And number two, what happens is your spouse eventually realizes that you do love her or you do respect him. And I can't guarantee that if you've been living in the crazy cycle for a long time, that what's going to happen is you're going to immediately see the results and move to the energizing cycle where everybody wants to live. But what I can say is, number one, God will be pleased, and that will be worth something. And it's the best hope for every marriage. So here's today's take-home point. If you're new here, we seek to make one point every week, and this is the point I'm seeking to make today, and it's this, that when wives respect their husbands, period, 
a marriage flourishes. And you may remember that last week's take-home point was when, a husband lo- when husbands love their wives, period, a marriage flourishes. So the truth is that unconditional love and respect are the formula for a marriage that flourishes. It- it's so simple to say, <laughs> not very simple to do. In fact, the Apostle Paul, before he gave his, his, his message about marriage, he actually introduced it with some verses that we've been using to introduce this passage the last couple of weeks, and it's verses 18 to 21 of Ephesians 5, because the passage about marriage is 22, 5, 22 to 33. So right now, if you have your Bible or Bible app, or if you just want to watch on the screen, we're going to read those introductory verses because it tells you how we get the power to live as loving husbands, as submissive, respectful wives in our marriages. So here's what Paul wrote. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So the key to love and respect is the Holy Spirit. What Paul knew is that when life doesn't go the way we want it to go, we tend to medicate ourselves. If we don't get life the way we want it, what we do is we either get drunk or else we go get a prescription or else we go get a street drug so that we can be drunk or high or stoned so life is better. But the truth of the matter is when you're in that condition, when I'm in that condition, life isn't better. (laughs) It feels better for 15 minutes or, you know, a half an hour, a couple hours. But life isn't better. In fact, life is actually getting worse when we do that because we're escaping from life and we're not, we're not living in reality. And what Paul says is the only solution, and it doesn't have to be about marriage. Let's say you have a problem with lying. Let's say you have a problem with gossiping. Whatever the problem you have in life, what Paul is saying is the solution is to have a relationship with God in Jesus Christ. He's not saying that there. He's just jumping right to the Holy Spirit. What he's saying is when we get that relationship with God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit comes into our life, we have a power to do what we can't do. And that's what really, that's what the the life in Jesus Christ is all about. The ability, the power to do what we cannot do in our flesh, in our natural human being, in the the old sinful person that we are, that we're born, you know, and we come out of our mother's wombs, we are in a situation where we can't do what God calls us to do. We don't have the capacity to do it until the Holy Spirit comes. And so what Paul says is, we need to be being filled with the Holy Spirit, and how will we know we are? We'll know we are whenever we are singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We'll we'll know that we do that together, but we'll even do that like when we wake up in the middle of the night, you know, with a headache, and the first thing we do is start singing songs of praise to God. Then we'll know that the Holy Spirit's working in our life. It takes a while to get to that point, but that's, that's a, it's an ongoing process. And what Paul says, the final way we know that we actually have the Holy Spirit in our life is that we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And once again, I said this last week, but I want to underline it. Human relationships flourish when we submit our wills to God's and then when we submit to one another out of reverence for Jesus. And that only happens consistently, day in, day out, when we're letting the Holy Spirit lead and control in our lives. What is Submission. Submission is to voluntarily put ourselves under the authority of another. We have this ritual that we do in the worship team. We, when we, every, every worship service before we um, worship here, we gather in a circle and we pray. Now, guys put their hands like this. This is what guys do. Women put their hands like this. This is a submissive posture. Open up, okay? So this morning, I got in line, and there was a guy on each side of me. So what are you going to do? Huh. I went like this. I submitted to their authority. It's a little thing. 
But, but it's, it's, I mean, and actually there's times where we're like, you know, almost getting a fist fight over whose hand's going to go over, right? You know, I'm, I'm just kidding, but it's, it's sort of like that. Submission is to voluntarily put myself under the authority of another person. And so what Paul says of all of us, he says especially to women, and here's what we, we need to read on because here's what he says in verses 22 to 24. For wives... This means submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. So before we go on, please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your truth. It isn't always easy, but it's always the truth. And today as we talk about this difficult truth in our culture, uh, just as we've talked about difficult truth in our culture the last three weeks, and pretty much every week here, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. And God, I pray that you'd fill all of us with your Spirit, that we would hear your truth and receive it, that we would welcome it, that we would submit ourselves to your authority so that our lives may be blessed to be a blessing to others. God, I pray, especially for every married person in the room today, that you would let all of us hear your truth. And live it out in the power of the Holy Spirit so our, our marriages may be a testimony to you and to your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Lord means owner, master, the one in charge. That's what it means. That's what Lord means. And so what Paul is saying is that, wives, you are supposed to act like your husbands are your master, your owner, the one in charge. And you hear that, and it's 2017, and you go, no, 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 that's not possible. That can't be right. Why should I listen to him? Why should I listen to a guy who's talking about women in their relationship and marriage in a, in a culture 2,000 years ago whenever women were treated like property? Why should I listen to that? And, and here's the short answer. Because the one who wrote those words was guided by the Spirit of the living God. In other words, these are God's words. They're not just Paul's words. And so the short answer is the reason you ought to do that, women who are married, is because God said so. And I know that, that that's not an answer that works in this culture, but it is the answer that God has given over all of recorded history. And the thing is that, that when Adam and Eve were created, they were perfect. And we talked about that the first week of this series, you know, and marriage was between Adam and Eve. And even before any other people were on the earth, God said, when, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and cling or cleave to his wife, be glued to his wife. The two will become one flesh. That was the plan. But the plan was broken because of the, the, the willful sin and rejection of the plan by Eve and Adam. It was in that order. Eve rejected, then Adam rejected. And what happened when sin entered into the world is that everything was put sort of on its head, and ever since then, people and marriages have been vying for who's in control. And here's the thing men are so submissive so often. We're passive. We don't stand up. We stand by when we ought to stand up. And when women see a man standing by and not standing up, what will often happen is the woman will step into that vacuum and become the leader. And many times in marriage, a husband will let that happen and we'll, we'll hate it with every fiber of our being. But often we'll, we'll let it happen. And everybody who's sitting in the room today knows that's true. Whether you're a man or a woman. And, 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 the, and the question is, how then does the man become the leader? 
And the answer I'm going to give is the biblical answer, and it's not the answer that our culture would ever endorse. And the way a man becomes a man is whenever his wife treats him like he's a man and puts him in position that he's in. God put him there. She doesn't put him there. And so the wife submits or respects the husband as the Lord, just like we're supposed to as the church to respect or submit to Jesus you know, because he is the one who's in charge. And I've seen it happen in my marriage. I've seen it happen in many, many marriages. When a godly woman does that, there's something that changes in a man. And the man actually becomes the man he was created to be. It doesn't always happen. I can't guarantee you that it will happen. But that is the plan of God, and it, and it works so often. Now, I, I need to remind husbands what we talked about last week. Because, again, this is half of the message. The other half of the message says this. For husbands, this means love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church, he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. So wives are called to submit to their husbands, but not in a vacuum. Wives are called to submit to a husband who is treating her with the same kind of love that Jesus showed the church and was willing to die for her. And as we said last week, dying one time for your wife is easy. I mean, then you get to go be with Jesus, but it's dying every day to your, you know, to your own selfish desires and, and showing love to your wife. That's what's hard. And so in that, in that relationship where the husband is loving his wife as Jesus loved the church, then in that situation, the wife is supposed to submit to and respect the husband. Now, as I said a couple weeks ago, a wife isn't supposed to stay in a marriage where she's being abused. God would never intend for that. But what's supposed to happen and in the ideal situation, when the Holy Spirit is in charge of each of our lives as a husband and wife in marriage, my wife is supposed to respect me and submit to me the way that, that we would all submit to Jesus Christ. And, and I'm supposed to love my wife as Jesus loved the church and as I love myself. That's the ideal. Now, we know something that because of the sinful nature and the struggle that's going on, we won't get it perfect. We won't get it perfect. But we can have amazing marriages when we follow this pattern. Wives, submit to and respect your husbands, and husbands, love your wives. So Paul reminded us, as we go down in the scripture, Paul reminded us of the basis of marriage. He says, as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Paul goes all the way back to Genesis 2 to talk about what marriage is all about. Why did he do that? Because there's no place else in scripture you can go where marriage is perfect. Everywhere after Genesis 2, sin is in the world. Genesis 3, we sinned. And everything that God established in Genesis 1 and 2 was twisted. And the truth of the matter is, if we want to talk about marriage, the way God designed marriage, we have to go back to Genesis 1 and 2. That's what we talk about. When we talk about biblical marriage here at New Life, we're not talking about David's marriage that had you know, dozens of wives or Solomon's marriage with hundreds of wives. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about the guy who cut up his concubine into pieces and distributed her throughout Israel. We're talking about Adam and Eve in the perfection of the Garden of Eden. And that isn't the way it is anymore, but that's the way God planned it to be. And what God has done throughout history, God has established boundaries. 
And the boundaries aren't like prison cells, the bars on a prison cell that bind us in. They're like, and I, I used this illustration last night, and some of you who are old enough will remember when they used to use lead paint on the highway roads. And, 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 and when it was a foggy night, you could actually see the white line on the edge of the road, you know, for like years after they painted them instead of like three days. And, and so the, 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 what God has done is he's put edge strips along the road in lead paint, if you will. If that image bothers you, then some kind of magic paint that doesn't have lead that hurts the fish or whatever. Okay, so anyway, the boundaries, the boundaries that God establishes are for our good. And one of the boundaries is a man and a woman gets married to each other forever and sticks like glue in the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, what does Paul say next? He says, this is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So when husbands love their wives as Christ loved the church and wives submit to and respect their husbands as to the Lord, it's an illustration of the way Jesus loves the church and are one. And so that's the goal of marriage. The goal of marriage is oneness. The goal of our marriage is for two to become one. And here's what happened. The devil knew that oneness is God's plan for us with him. You see, we're supposed to have a relationship with God that is so close that, that it's as close as breathing. We're supposed to have a relationship with our spouse if we're married that's that kind of relationship. And if we're not married, we're supposed to love each other the way Jesus loves us, right? But the devil knows that the best way to keep people from doing God's will and from knowing God and from having the kind of life that God intended them to, to have is to isolate us. So the best place for isolation to happen as far as the devil is concerned, because most of us get married, is in our marriages. And this culture has agreed with the devil when it comes to marriage. This culture has agreed that the best thing for a marriage to do is to do what? Is to make me feel good. So if my wife isn't making me feel good, then it's her problem. And so what I'm supposed to do is get a divorce and find a good wife. One that's going to complete me, that's going to fix me, that's going to do all that kind of stuff for me. But here's the thing that I've noticed over the years. I've been a pastor for 32 years. I've seen uh, you know, one self-centered woman or man get a divorce and then they go get married again. And then after a couple of years, the, 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 the other husband or wife is no good and they get divorced again and then they get married again. And, and they do this five or six times. And then here's the thing they forget. The, the common denominator in all six of those marriages was him or her. The person who left the one marriage to go to the next, to the next, to the next, they, they went to every marriage. And the problem wasn't the husband or the wife. The problem was her or him. And so here, this is going to be the, this is the most important thing I'm going to say in this series. It's going to be up on the screen. It's probably the most important thing I've said in the last six months. And everybody should understand that marriage doesn't fix us. Marriage doesn't complete us. I'm sorry, Jerry Maguire, if you know the movie. Marriage doesn't complete us, Right? Marriage gives us the opportunity to love another or respect another so the other is blessed. Marriage doesn't fix you. If you have some problems and you get married, you're still going to have problems. If you are incomplete when you get married, whenever you get married, you're still going to be incomplete. But if you go into marriage as a man and you understand that your calling as a man is to love your wife as Christ loved the church and you give your love to your wife and if you go into marriage as a wife and you understand that your task is to submit to and respect your husband and you do that, what's going to happen over time is both of you are going to be blessed because here's the deal. We were created to be givers. We were created to be givers. God is a giver. He made us in his image, so we were created to be givers. And only when we're giving do we really feel complete. 
So when I give love to Nancy and when Nancy respects me, the energizing cycle is going on, but it's far more than the energizing cycle going on. It's obedience to the living God. And in that relationship, marriage flourishes. And and that's what God planned and instituted for us. Remember what Jesus said about giving. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And here's the thing. Our culture tells us, I need to take. I need to feel. if If you're a man, your wife needs to make you feel good. And when she doesn't, it's her fault and she needs fixing. And when that doesn't happen, then the best answer is to find another one. Same way, you know, wives, husbands, it all, that's what the culture says. But when we're taking, we will never be satisfied. Did you ever notice that? How much money is enough? A little bit more. How much love is enough? If you're taking, it's a little bit more. But when you're giving... Oh, it's a different story because we were created that way. Okay, so Paul concludes what he said about marriage with a statement that was really the basis for the whole series, you know, love and respect. What he says is, so again, I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Love and respect, it's so simple to say but so hard to do. And wives, you know, when it says both submit and respect your husband, the culture's going to tell you that at the, at the least that's, that's abuse, or at the most it's abuse, at the least it's stupidity, right? That's what the culture is telling us. Everywhere we turn, you know, you, you shouldn't have to submit to your, you, who, who does he think he is? But I'm going to ask you the same question that I asked the men last week. So who would you rather have the affirmation of, the culture or Jesus? Would you rather have Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter the joy of your master's kingdom, or would you rather have your friends in the culture say, oh, look at you? Because that's, what we are all, that's the question we all have to answer every day in every area of our lives. Who are we trying to please? Because we can't please everybody, we know that. <laughs> I would contend that I only, try to complete, I only try to please one person, and it's not Nancy. It's Jesus. Because when I'm pleasing Jesus, I'll please Nancy, and ultimately I'll please more people than I can please any other way. I'll make a few people upset too. I'm good with that. For as long as I can look Jesus in the eye, one day whenever he's looking me in the eye and and, and telling me, come on in, I'm, I'm good with that. And we all ought to be good with that, whether we're married or not married, whether we're young or old, whatever, rich or poor, doesn't matter. What we do with Jesus is what matters. And at the end of the day, that ripples out into every area of our lives. And that's what Paul is saying about marriage as well. So, in about eight weeks, Lord willing, and Jesus doesn't come back, within the next eight weeks, Nancy and I will be married for 38 years. And I love Nancy more. If you want to clap, that's okay. You should be clapping for her. It was a lot tougher for her than for me. Okay, so I love Nancy more right now than I've ever loved her. And, and, and Nancy respects me more than she's ever respected me. And most of the time, we're in the energizing cycle. And what I should really say is, not just that we're in the energizing cycle, but most of the time, we're obeying God. And the blessing of obeying God is always a blessing. You know, and, and so that's what happens most of the time. Now, occasionally, we go back into the crazy cycle, as I said last week, just for old time's sake or something. And yesterday afternoon, you know, I was hanging a picture for her down in the basement, we just finished the basement, and we had this little thing. that I knew it was the only thing that would work to hang the picture, and I was having trouble getting it to work, and she was starting to give me advice. And I almost went into the crazy cycle. But then I remembered I'm preaching about marriage this weekend. So I just said, yes, dear. 
I'll do it my way. <laughs> oh, thank you very much for your help. Okay, and I smiled, and it sort of backed off the crazy cycle, and we went back to the energizing cycle. Because we are two imperfect people. What happens is one redeemed sinner gets married to another redeemed sinner, or actually one sinner gets married to another sinner, or, or one redeemed sinner, and one, but it's just sinners. Sinners are getting married to each other, and then you add to the mix that one is a woman and one is a man. Ooh, well, that makes it really hard. So what should be so simple becomes extremely complex. And yet it's God's will for humanity. And because it's God's will for humanity, it works when we do it God's way. And when we mess up, we repent, which means to turn away from the way that isn't God's way, and we come back to it. And then our lives become better. And I would contend with anybody in the world, not anybody in the room, but anybody in the world who says that their marriage not lived God's way is better than my marriage, you're crazy. Because you can have fun for a while not living God's way. You can. I'll admit that sin is fun until it isn't. But you, what you can't have is a meaningful, purposeful life apart from a relationship with the living God of the universe through his son, Jesus Christ, and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the byproduct of that is happiness. If you make, if you make happiness your pursuit, you'll never be happy. But if you make pursuing God your pursuit, then happiness comes along the way in, in various ways ways and forms. So I would rather love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and my neighbor, starting with Nancy, as myself, than pursue any worldly path to meaning and purpose. And, and my prayer is that all of us would, whether we're married or not, that we would put God, the God of the universe, first in our lives, that we would pursue him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, that we would love each other if we're married, starting with our spouse, you know, as we love ourselves. And that in the context of that, that we would call on the Holy Spirit daily to fill us and empower us so that we can live the life that is truly life because that is God's plan for us. And so here is the commitment for today, and it's in three parts. It's the same commitment as last week. For men, the commitment who are married, it's I will love my wife this week. For women who are married, I will respect my husband this week. For others who are not married, I will pray for God's blessing on marriages this week. You see, God's plan, as we already know, because we've been doing this for four weeks now, is for a man to leave his father and mother, cling to his wife, and to become one flesh. That's not God's plan for everybody. There are certain people that God calls to singleness, and that's a wonderful calling when God calls you to that. And there are certain of us who are married, and in that calling, God calls us to, to do what he says to do. And so when I love my wife, when you, and all you men, when you love your wife as Christ loves the church, wives, when you submit to and respect your husbands as the Lord, and when everybody else is praying for us, here's what's going to happen. Here in this community, people are going to notice changes in our marriages. Our family, our children will notice the changes. Maybe our parents will notice the changes. Our neighbors will notice the changes. And eventually, there will be this ripple effect. And that was God's plan from the beginning. Wasn't God's plan from the beginning that Adam and Eve would be fruitful and multiply? Their children would grow up and have children, and they would grow up and have children, and they would, they would go over the whole earth. And what would they do? They would rule with God. That's what we're called to do. The plan never changed. We altered it a little bit by getting sin into the mixture. But God's plan will always work. And then ultimately, we know eternally it works, but I'm talking about here and now. God's plan for you and me works when we let him be in charge of our lives. So if you've never let Jesus Christ be in charge of your life, if you've never before said yes 
to Jesus being Savior and Lord. Today would be a great day, whether you're married or not. I would say especially if you're married, because if you're in a marriage and you're not, Jesus Christ isn't in the center of it, that's a big, 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 big challenge. But Jesus Christ wants to be in charge of your life, not so he can control you, but so that he can give you the control that you were created to have, that I was created to have. And so right now you can just say, Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that you are the son of God and that you can take away my sin. I I ask you to do that and I want you to come in and take over right now. And if you do that, it's a whole new life forever. And it starts in a practical way, whether you're married or not, with simply understanding that you were created for a purpose, an amazing purpose that will live out from this day until you see Jesus face to face. And you can be sure that if Jesus Christ is in charge of your life and that you learn his truth and you live it in his love, what will happen is one day you will have a meeting with him and in that meeting he will say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter the joy of your master's kingdom. That's, that's what I'm going for in my life. And that's why I stand up here week to week. That's why Brad and Mark and all of us who preach stand up here is so that we can understand there's a God who deserves our praise. And there's a God who loves us so much that he would not let go of us even when we let go of him. And that because of that reality, our lives, whether we're married or not, whether we're old or young, whether we're whatever, can be made new. So let's pray right now and uh, let's ask God to do that in all of our lives. Heavenly Father, I pray for any who just trusted you for the first time as Savior and Lord through your son Jesus. I pray for all of us who have already done that. I pray, God, that we would open ourselves to your, your, your Spirit's filling, that today we would receive that power anew to take one more step in the right direction, that we would live within your boundaries because they're always best for us, and that whatever the culture may say, God, that we would listen to your voice and do your will. And God, I pray that always, that as we speak your truth to others, that we would do it in your love so that people will be able to hear and respond and and, and know the joy and, and ultimately even the happiness that comes from living a life in you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.